You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Coach Dwayne Carlisle is the owner of Carlisle Performance Systems, located in San Jose, California. He is recognized by the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Association as a master strength and conditioning coach. It is the highest honor that can be achieved as a strength and conditioning coach, representing professionalism, knowledge, experience, expertise, and longevity in the field. He was the former head strength and conditioning coach for the San Francisco 49ers, director of sports performance at Purdue University, overseeing 18 sports, and director of strength and conditioning at the Lawrenceville School in Princeton, New Jersey, overseeing 22 sports. Coach Carla has also trained over 1,000 high school athletes who have received Division I scholarships in over 14 different sports. In his spare time, he enjoys playing a game of chess, loves grilling, and occasionally dabbles in photography and videography. Please welcome Coach Dwayne Carlisle. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And of course, we have Mac. Hello, hello. Hey, Mac, how are you? Doing well. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. You know, Coach Carlisle, Coach DC, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Um, personally, I know that um, we have a friendship that goes back, but we also have one that is uh, encouraging and motivating. And I know that I am doing this podcast because of you. I appreciate you and uh, the trends that you're setting. You, you are a trendsetter. And um, I just want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell them about yourself? Well, I don't know where to start, man. You get a little age on you. That could be a long story. Father, husband, hail from the great state of Massachusetts. Ironically, I got into this field through Mike Boyle. I was a freshman at Boston University when Mike Boyle got into the strength and conditioning field. And I'll tell you what, ever since that day, I've been passionate about helping people get better. And it's something that I continue to do. And it's never been a day of work, except when I have to deal with things that have to do with non-coaching. I definitely understand that. Uh, the, the coaching is the most enjoyable part, uh, <laughs> working with the athletes. And um, you've worked with a lot of them over a, over a long period of time uh, from, uh, I would guess, a young age group all the way to professional. So how has that experience impacted your experience? Well, let me start by saying I was blessed. My first job out of college, I was a sprint and jump coach at Penn State University. And not too many people get that opportunity. 22 years old, full-time coach. 
I was completely wet behind the ears. I had competed against many of the people who I was coaching and got a chance to work under a legendary coach, Harry Groves. And the first day I got to Penn State, this guy says, all right, let's go. I said, well, coach, where are we going? He said, uh, we're going out to the golf course to mark the course. I said, well, mark the course? What do you mean? He goes, it's cross-country season. We got to put these stakes up. And I said, coach, well, hold up, man. There's, there's 500 stakes. He goes, oh, yep, that's what we're going to be doing all week. He goes, I guess you didn't read the other part of your job. Assistant track and field and cross-country coach. So that was my introduction into the field. And the thing that I learned from a guy like him was just straight hard work. Get, roll your sleeves up, get after it, and dive in to make sure that you're doing everything to help support your student-athletes. That's a great first experience with the profession, I got to say. Um, a little humbling, I'm sure. but um, <laughs> Totally. So, yeah, with having trained over a 1,000 high school athletes that have received Division One scholarships, and mind you, that means you've trained countless others who didn't receive the scholarships. I mean, just in terms of the total volume that you've done, you know, you've had that many success stories. That's a lot. Is there anything, or I guess, can you narrow it down to one or two things that you wish that high school athletes and or their coaches knew about the type of training that you do? Because I know a lot of times, you know, head coaches in high school, they play all hats. And so it's tough to gain as much expertise as you have in the field. So can you kind of speak to them and their athletes right now? What's, you know, that one or two thing that one or two things that you think that really would make the difference if all of them knew that? Number one, I coach the person, not the, not the sets, not the reps, not what on the sheet. We as strength and conditioning coaches oftentimes and we'll get into a room and we want to get to the technicalities and all the nuances of how you go about designing and creating programs and periodization schemes and block periodization this and velocity-based training that and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's about coaching the person and it's about investing in that person. So when I look at, I think what's, what's allowed me to maintain longevity, is I'd like to think that people who I work with understand and appreciate first and foremost that I'm in it them and two i'm going to give everything i have i'm never going to cheat anybody it's, it's never been about if i'm in the private sector money or from the pro level or college level about advancement it's always about coaching the person so if i were to say one thing it's that the second thing is i'm going to do everything i can to make myself better just came back from an internship under scott hobson and haley his partner the internship was called Pivotal Coaching. It was in San Diego. It's a four-day experience. One of the best professional development opportunities I've ever I've ever been involved with. There were some high-level coaches there, but for, again, for me, I'm constantly going to continue learning, and I'm constantly going to, you know, work toward getting better at delivering the service that's going to help the people who I'm working with obtain the highest level of performance. And that's incredible. I mean, you've got that many years of experience and you just did an internship. I mean, I, I hope everybody out there listening can really wrap their head around that. It was a mentorship. Men, but I mean, mentorship, yeah. internship, I mean, any of the above that you're, you know, you are people's mentors and you just did a mentorship. Like that's, that's really cool to hear. Like I said, I hope people really grasp that concept. 
Take me back to, um, I know that you had several performance institutes that you owned and there was, uh, you made a decision that you would transition to something else. Take me back to, um, why you did that and, and, you know, how you did that. Well, we were the first full-time sports performance facility. It's called Lightning Fast Training Systems back in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So I opened up in 1994. North of me was Parisi. So it's funny. We were, we were competitors back in the day to a certain degree. He was, he was about 65 miles north of me. But at the time, there were very few performance coaches. And we would have people come to us from over 60 miles away just to come to some of our training sessions. And it was an awesome, awesome opportunity. I didn't know what I was doing from a business standpoint, but you learn on the fly. And again, it's about investing and getting better at certain things and talking to people and doing all those things to to learn the business side of it. We went from one to two. We opened our second one in downtown PA in 99. And then 2000, we opened our third location, which was up in Princeton, New Jersey. And the key in transitioning from one to three was learning how to create a system that would create consistency and would give people structured freedom so that they could excel and and they weren't learning the Dwayne Carlisle way of training. I've I've never been about that. It's always been about providing a, a platform and an opportunity for people to expand on what they know within a structured environment. So the the experience of ramping up those facilities and having the opportunity to serve so many people was phenomenal. And it's helped me transition back into the private sector and do what I'm doing now. And so, Dwayne, having been in the game for that long, how have you seen the performance coach? Have you seen their role, I guess, change or develop, hopefully improve. I mean, I hope, hopefully you've seen some improvements in the profession, but can you speak on that a little bit and take us through kind of how you've, if there've been, you know, certain steps or milestones or really kind of just your opinion on that? Well, that's an interesting question. When you Thank look you. at our that's field, <laughs> yeah, great question. When you look at the field itself, there's been a lot of evolution as it relates to training methodology, program design, nutrition, recovery, regeneration, sleep, all different aspects. It's just so much rich and good information out there. And I think on one end is information that's readily available, which helps to expand our knowledge. But I also think that it's created a lot of confusion too, because there's so much out there that you really have to have a filter system and have to be anchored to something as it relates to your philosophy and your system of training. Mind you, I always leave room to grow and to stretch and grow. I'll give you an example. This weekend, I was exposed to some tremendous information. And yet, I I think I'm wise enough now to chew the meat and spit out the bones. Because not everything aligns with everything I've anchored to. So I take a lot of the great rich information and then I apply it to what I know how to do. Because again, there's just so much information. We're on the the Audubon 
of information in our field. And you got to have a really discerning approach in terms of what you're what you're going to adopt and apply and ultimately anchor to, to what you believe in and what you know has worked for your athletes. You know, DC, you, I've been reading a lot about the high performance model this past week. I've seen some posts on social media. Some people have reached out to me and you've talked about nutrition, sleep, can you help to clear up some of the confusion maybe with your perception and what you believe high performance training is, what that model is? When I look at high performance training, if you take the position of a high performance director, a high performance coordinator, their role should be, they're a conductor of an orchestra. Their charge, in my opinion, should be just making beautiful music amongst all the invested parties such as such as the, in, in this case you know, sports med sports nutrition sports psych the athletes the administrators all the invested parties that high performance coordinator should basically be one that is it's making beautiful music and getting all those components connected and communicating and leading the charge toward oneness as opposed to sitting atop of their position and then looking down you you got to be on the ground level and you've got to be gathering information and disseminating information in the best interest of all parties who are who are coming to the who are coming to the table this podcast is sponsored by Soranex exercise equipment since 1980 Soranex has been a family owned business Responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. That's great. And so in terms of the head coach, where do you see them playing? Where do you see their role playing out in that? Is it kind of Batman and Robin with the high performance coach or, you know, how does how does that work, I guess, in in your perspective? I know how I think it should work, and then I know how how it works sometimes. Head, co- <laughs> yeah. head coaches, particularly those who are who are sit at the head of revenue sports such as football and men's basketball, even some of the others like volleyball and so forth. You now they've got strong thoughts and strong opinions in terms of how they want things done. And a lot of a high performance position or coordinator is going to be contingent upon the vision that the head coach is set forth for the type of program that he wants. Because at the end of the day, you still are a support person, at least in the United States. In Europe, in soccer, oftentimes the high performance coordinator is calling the shots. Nevertheless, you still have to be in harmony and concert with that head coach and really trying to understand what his or her needs are as they shape their program and their philosophy and how they want their team structured. And 
then you as the high performance coordinator, you go out and, and you make that happen so that you, you put together the pillars that's going to support great, great performance and help the team strive to wherever they're trying to go. So I think that there's a lot of, a lot of what happens between a high performance coordinator and a head coach is just predicated on what that head coach's philosophy is. And if you're a really, really good high performance coordinator, you have influence. Your influence is not through having a dominant spirit. Your influence is just through asking the right questions that's going to elicit the answers and responses such that it provides this forum around discussion so that both of you can, can put things in alignment or, or gather that information so that you can move in alignment and move in that oneness with a, with a, with a systemized approach. I think that's an awesome answer to that question. I think that was great. And I love that you brought up how they're kind of structuring it in Europe right now with soccer and rugby. And do you think that being said, obviously you're familiar with several of those systems and, and how they work so well in conjunction. Do you think that's kind of one page that we should take out of Europe's book? Or do you think that we there are ways that we can take it and then improve upon it? Yeah, I think there are ways that you can take it and improve upon that type of model. Certainly, I, I, being out here in Silicon Valley, I'm privileged and honored to work with some high, high, high performers. I have some people who are worth billions of dollars that I train, personally train, and I'm with them frequently, three days a week. And I'm gathering and taking a lot of information from them just in terms of how they run their organizations. And one one nugget that I've gathered from a particular CEO founder of this company was what he does is they run these QBRs, quarterly business reviews for every single, every single division within the department. Every division within the department reports back to the CEO about where they're at, where they're going, and what do they need to do to get better. And then they all come together collectively, and then they have those discussions. And I think any time that you have discussions and you have that type of approach, there's nothing but great things that can come out of it. So I would, I would get up on top of a mountain to say, you know what? Communication and getting everybody on the same page is 99% of it in terms of helping to build a successful organization. So DC, with your training center, can you tell, tell us how that works with your model, how that model works in your performance center with what you have going on? That's a great question. I've kind of come full circle to a certain degree, and now I'm back in, in my element, doing, doing my thing, trying to figure out kind of what, what are our core values. So first and foremost, I start with how do, I, how do I want to present Carlisle performance to the public and to the marketplace as it relates to helping to improve performance? And we've got some big contracts. So we serve the NFL, NFL officials. We have the Pac-12 officials. In addition to that, we've got a couple other big contracts. And we have middle school, high school. Like I said we have CEOs that are training privately. And right now, we're a one-man show. So if there's people out in the Bay Area who want to, who want to get on board and, and Want to want to come along for the ride? An exciting ride. Instagram me. That's a little plug, but anyway, 
when I look at what we're trying to accomplish, what we're trying to put together is I want people at the end of the day, I want people to have a great experience. I want people to be able to, to expand on what they do well and have that opportunity to do what they do well. I don't want to put handcuffs on anybody. Again, it's structured freedom. Hey, this is where we're going. This is who we're serving. And this is how you can be a part of it. I think that too many times when we get into organizations, you get straight jackets put on you. Now, whether that's an economic straight jacket or whether that's just because the person above you doesn't have that shared vision, it's, it's something that I think can be very debilitating. It could be harmful. It could be tough. And also, can it's got its plus sides too because you can grow in any situation. But for me, I want people who come here to be a part of something that, that they feel like they can contribute to and that their thoughts and their, their thoughts and their ideas are, are cherished, they're valued. I know that you wear many hats. And so when you're speaking, you're, you're coming from different, you, different experiences. I know that you are a dad and I know that your sons are athletes. So when you are giving advice, you are talking about your experience. So as a dad, as a coach, as a owner of a performance center, what advice do you give to other parents out there based on the results that you've seen uh, with your experience as a dad and your sons? Be a dad first. Be a husband first. Understand that you don't get back that time. In our profession, here we go. We're grinding, man. We're grinding. We're up at 5.30, 6 o'clock. We're working. We're working, right? And we're working for an institution, and we put the logo on, and we feel good about the logo, especially if we work for a high-profile institution. And that, in some sense, defines us. And it shouldn't be about the logo, right? That shouldn't be who you are. It should just be what you do. At the end of the day, your kids aren't going to remember that logo. Now we can rationalize it and justify it by saying, Hey, well, you know what? I, you know, I got to take care of my family. And meanwhile, we're putting 60, 70, 80 hours in a week. And this is what I know that that institution you're working for, they were there way before you. And they're going to be there way after you. And when you look at your, your kids, you don't get that time back before you know it, you blink. And like Amir, he's married. I'm a granddad now. And I can't tell you how many games I missed of Amir. I was coaching. I didn't get to see a lot of his games. Well, I made sure one of the things, the reasons we brought, came back out to California is when I got his basketball scholar at San Jose State, I'm going out to see my son. I'm going to see his games. And then Kamal, who's a senior, he runs track. I'm going to go see his meets. Not so much to be the great cheerleader but as much to be there just to just so he knows what they know I mean, pops is here and our kids go through it's tough as you know as an athlete you got your peaks and valleys but there's nothing better than being there just to put your arm around your kid and be like all right you know what you're good it doesn't go the way they want you're good and when they hear that from mom from dad that's uplifting so my advice would be just to be dad first understand that that is a high calling duty that you have, that's not to neglect your responsibilities for your job, but keep it in perspective. Because at the end of the day, 
the job. It's it's a job. Your kids, your wife, lifelong commitment. Yes. Uh, wow, DC. That's that's uh that's exactly what I I knew you were going to bring it on that one because um, I know the passion you have for your family. Um, I want to take you back. I got one more question. I sure. want to ask you because I really want our listeners to hear your answer. The first time I met you, we were at the NFL Combine. You were with the San Francisco 49ers, and we were in a restaurant. I don't know if you remember. And you pulled out your phone, and you had your finances broken down on your phone, and you challenged me to know my finances and understand the game and 401k and benefits and retirement and Oh man, it was so powerful. I remember going back home and talking to my wife and just being energized about looking into the future and being as prepared financially as you were. Just just share a little bit about that. And I know uh, you've got to go. Um, if you can just answer that one, I know our listeners will appreciate it. Okay, no problem. I had a couple people. When I started my business, had this guy trained his kids. He ended up being my lawyer. And he said to me one day, he said, uh, you put money away? This is after I got to know him. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm working hard. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't been saving money. I'm keeping it all in the company. He goes, he said, listen to me. Take 10% of your money, and put it away. And pretend like it's never there. He said, if you don't pay yourself first, then you're going you're gonna to really regret it down the road. Pay yourself first. So the reason you work hard is to pay yourself first. So he planted that seed. And I spent a lot of time on financial management. And here's what I know. A lot of coaches, they're going to get into their textbook. They're going to be on YouTube. And they're going to be looking at the latest videos and training cycles. And they're going to be looking at this information and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes back to this. You're going to pour all that work into a job. And let's say that job lets you go and you haven't saved any money. Then you know what? You go to the conference, you go to CCA, CCSA, you go to NSCA, and you got that look. You can always tell that look. You can tell that look when they're hunting for a job. All of a sudden, people who didn't, who would walk by you, when they were wearing a certain logo a year ago, now they're walking by you and they're like, hey, uh, look, I wanted to talk to you, blah, 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 right? So they got that look. And I guarantee you, many of them have that look because they don't have any money saved. They haven't saved money for a rainy day. And they haven't done the things necessary to put them in a position where if something did happen, they're good. And they can at least hold the fort down for you know six months to a year. When you look at the opportunities that universities present to us as employees, you can do 401k or in the university setting, it's a 403b. You can put up to six. So you've got the university puts the money in. At Purdue, it was 10%. So that's 10%. That's free money. But you yourself can invest up to 18,000 depending on your age. And that's off the top. Tax, tax, free money, bam. You can put that money right into your account. Then 
There's a 457B. It's another vehicle to save money. Tax deferred. Right out the gate. And then if you if you got a business, if you got something on the side, you can then create a you can create a SEP program for your business, pay yourself a salary, and contribute up to 25% of your W-2 wages. So think about it. If you had those three things rolling, you'd make an incredible amount of money. Think about the compounding effect of interest. When I started my coaching career at Penn State, 1989, that two grand that I had, no, I left with like eight grand, but the two grand I put in per year, that that money ended up being like 200 and something thousand because you don't touch your money. Just that little money, compounding interest, I never added to that Penn State fund. But now you take, imagine you're doing this year over year over year over year. When you get to your 50s, you get to whatever, and you got flexibility. And so for me, how that manifested itself was that when we decided to come out here, because my guy had told me about putting 10%, now I could finance my own opportunity. Now I could finance my own vision as opposed to have to go to a bank or have to go and ask this person, that person. We were in a position, thank God, to be able to say, all right, you know what? This is what we want to do. Let's go ahead and do it. That is an awesome story. I'm really glad that you were able to stick around for that last question because I think that was incredible for our listeners to hear. If you want, um, we can wrap it up. I know he's got a training session to go to. It's <laughs> nighttime. Um, never stops. But um, if you want, that's right. <laughs> tell our listeners where they can find you, social, website, whatever. Tell them, tell them how to find you. Sure. You can find me, go Instagram. It's Coach Dwayne Carlisle, D-U-A-N-E, Carlisle, C-A-R-L-I-S-L-E. My email address is Dwayne, D-U-A-N-E, at CoachCarlisle.com. And any of you have any questions, you want to reach out, you want to talk shop, you're in the Bay, please feel free to come visit. Would love to talk shop. No, I'm, I, I, I want to give back. I want to pay it forward. So anybody who's got anything they want to chat about, I'm here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. Really, really appreciate it. I think our listeners are, are really going to enjoy it as well. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.